0: See, that's the key because in the world we live in right now, full of superheroes, we're always thinking in terms of, well, there's someone else who's got a shield. There's someone else who's going to come and avenge me. And so we we live in this avenger's world, and yet the scripture is going to show us a whole different view of an avenger this morning. A lot of times, especially, I'm so thankful for our students who sang this morning but a lot of times in, in, among young adults or young people, we hear Avengers is like, yay, Avengers. We're all for that. There's one more Avenger movie to come. It's supposed to come out in April. Avengers, end game. I'm, I'm kind of thankful this will be the last one. I'm, I kind of I think I'm kind of over that. But it's, it's such a big deal about Avengers. Well, this morning, I, I want us to understand that the scripture is talking about avoiding the Avenger. And so if you've got your Bible and if, or if you need one, grab one there in the back of the pew in front of you and let's go to Romans 13. Romans 13. We're in a series of sermons we've titled Untangled. And, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to take you to where we're, we're heading in all this. And, and it's because we're desiring to get rid of those things in our life that would hinder us in our walk with him. And so in Romans chapter 13, let me take you to, uh, we're going to read a different passage, but let me remind you what verse 12 and 13 say. Listen to this. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on The armor of light, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, not in sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're heading in all this, is that we put off the works of darkness, but it doesn't just stop there. Put off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. And so in the morning services, we've been talking about what it means to put off these works of darkness, and on Sunday nights, we're focusing in on what are the commands in the scripture? What are they that God is telling me, obey these commands? What are the most frequently mentioned commands in the Bible? Because in the mornings, we're putting off, and in the evening, we're putting on what God is telling us to do. And so this morning, let's pick up again in Romans chapter 13. We're going to look at the passage 1 through 7. And again, we're focusing in on avoiding the avenger. I want us to see the avenger in a whole different way this morning. Here we go. Romans 13, starting in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now pause there for just a moment because when we opened this series last week, that's, where we, that's what we looked at. Romans chapter 13, verse one, because I wanted this to emphasize that this is not just about government. This is not about governing authorities, but instead lining up our lives under God's authority. This whole issue of being untangled from the things that can hinder us in our walk with Christ starts with making sure that we are subject to to the one who is in authority, and that is God. All right, so this morning, let's pick up in verse 2 and read to verse 7. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. All right, so this morning putting off these works of darkness, let's understand some just very simple points that come straight out of this passage of Scripture right here. And let's always pray before we do that. Now, friends, what we're going to be talking about this morning is wrongdoing and the results of wrongdoing. And, and I'm, I'm going to give you a heads up right now. The temptation is going to be that whenever we hear about wrongdoing, Our human nature is, boy, I wish someone else was here to hear this sermon. Because Satan will do everything he can to get you to think about everyone else's wrongdoing except our own. And so in preparing this sermon, I want you to know God is confronting me with my wrongdoing. And those are things that I've got to confess before the Lord simply. And confessing simply means agreeing with God. Yes, God, that is wrong. And then desiring to put off the wrongdoing and to put on the armor of God. And so this morning, I'm just inviting you, please allow the Holy Spirit to convict your heart. We're going to try to rationalize with God. We're going to try to say, well, God, I know that your word says, but I don't know. Don't argue with God this morning. Don't try to rationalize behavior that you know that the scripture is speaking against. But instead, let's come before God in humble submission and say, Lord, I need to get rid of this in my life. It is hindering my walk with you. We're praying that if someone here does not know Christ as Savior, that this would be the day of salvation. And so would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads with me and let's talk with God? And I'm inviting you, please talk with him right now. Open up your heart. Holy Spirit, please convict me of my sin. If there's nothing else than you say, Lord, please show me my sin. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, so many times this week, you have shown me my sin. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning, every single one of us would be open to what the Holy Spirit desires to do. Lord, I pray that the light of Of the Word of God, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, Lord, that the light of the Word of God would shine on our hearts and expose the areas of our heart that we're holding back from you that are hindering us. And so, Lord, please do a mighty work. And Father, most of all, we always want to pray for someone to be saved this morning, that someone would come out from underneath God's wrath. Lord, we pray for rededicated lives. Lord, that there would be confession before you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would add to our church family. And Lord, call out of our church family according to your will. And we're going to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've already read Romans chapter 13, 2 through 7. And and as we read this passage, I'm going to just start pointing out some certain words to you again. And so go with me again to Romans 13, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities. Well, there's something right there. Resisting the authorities. Resist what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad so we've already heard about those who resist the authorities we've heard about resisting what God has appointed we've heard about bad conduct look with me then do what is good and you'll receive his approval verse 4 but if you do wrong be afraid look at verse 5 for he is the servant of God and aven- an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer my goodness folks Over and over, in just three verses, Paul keeps talking about someone who's doing wrong. And so here's the very first point we need to understand. There is a reality to wrongdoing. There is a reality. Sin is a real thing. Doing wrong is a real thing. And we say, well, okay, that's kind of an easy thing to admit. Please understand that the majority of our world The majority, especially of our American culture, would totally disagree with that. And it's because, first of all, we've got to start with, well, what do you mean by resisting? What do you mean by wrongdoing? Give me a definition for wrongdoing, okay? Well, there's a definition right here in verse 2. Look with me again. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resist what God has appointed, Okay, everyone, that's a really good, simple definition of sin. It's resisting what God has appointed. Well, that clarifies a couple of things for us right off the bat. Everyone listen. Resisting what God, not what this popular culture say is right or wrong, Not do what do my friends determine is right or wrong. The people that I hang out with, what do they think is right and wrong? But instead it says resisting what God has appointed. Folks, he's the authority. And so wrongdoing is resisting what God has done. Well, what has God done? Well, right here in this Romans 13 passage, it says God has appointed Governing authorities. All right, so again, we could start right there. In other words, God has instituted government. Now, folks, right now, can you imagine a better time to be talking about government than right now? And this being planned months ago, I had no idea what was going to be going on right now in our world. And so we could say, well, you're talking about being subject unto governing authorities, but right now we don't have any government because ours is shut down. Okay, folks, we still have government. And the scripture says God is the one who instituted government. And we're to be thankful for that. And friends, even in the midst of whenever it seems like government is totally going wrong, the worst government is always going to be better than anarchy. Mob rule is a scary thing. I want you to picture a major city when all the lights completely go out over the entire major city. What do you end up with? A lot of times it looks like anarchy. It's mob rule. It's everyone, you make your own rules, whatever you want to do. And that's a scary time. I want you to picture Black Friday at 6 a.m. at a Best Buy. I mean, just take that into account what's going on that is not what we want and I know that there are a lot of things wrong with government but I'm going to say it again God is the one who instituted government and the scripture says wrongdoing is resisting what God has appointed and so sometimes I think we could take John Lennon's Imagine song and just kind of do a variation of it. Imagine there's no government. It's easy if you try. Imagine no Senate, no House, no TSA when you fly. Okay, that's not what we want. That is not what we want. Government was instituted by God. And so Paul is saying right off the bat, You want to know what wrongdoing is? Wrongdoing is resisting what God has appointed. All right, well, here's something really interesting in the Word of God. Did you know that this word that is used here for appointed is only used one other time in the New Testament, and it's talking about the Word of God? It says God has appointed his law. And so, therefore, not only has God appointed government, I'm going to give you four things that God has appointed God has appointed government. God has appointed his word. And so wrongdoing is resisting God's word. And boy, that really starts becoming a tender subject. Because if I were asked this morning, okay, how many of you would say you completely obey everything in God's word? Well, that's not any of us. And as you know, whenever you read the Word of God, man, it really seems to meddle into our lives. It gets tough whenever you're reading it. Because a lot of times we just want to focus in on the big ones. Do not kill. And we say, okay, look, I'm good there. I've never killed anyone. But then we go a little bit further into the scripture when it gets to the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not kill. But I say to you, if you're holding anger against your brother, then you're committing murder in your heart. Okay, that's when it starts getting tough. You see, we just want to look at the big outward acts. And God is looking at the heart And the scripture says that God has appointed his law. God has appointed his word, which is to guide our lives, instruct our lives, correct our lives. It's to be an example to us in our lives. And so if if I'm holding a grudge against someone, if I'm refusing to forgive someone, and the Bible says forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you, and we're refusing to do that, then, friends, I'm resisting what God has appointed. He's appointed his word. So he's appointed government, he's appointed his word. Did you know that God also appointed the home? Government's not the only institution that God appointed God's, the, man did not come up with the idea of government. God did that. Well, man didn't come up with the idea of the home. God did that. God appointed the home. And so again, folks, please hear when I, as, I, as I'm preaching this, I'm truly with all my heart trying to preach to us the full counsel of God's word. In our society today, we are so much wanting to get away from what God has appointed as the design for the home. But folks, before we amend that and say, yeah, it's just society, I want you to know creeping into the church is this tendency to start wandering away from what God's design for the home is. And so let me share a couple of things with you. God has appointed the home. God made them male and female. And in God's design for the home, a male and a female come together as husband and wife. And that is God's design for the home. And friends, I want you to know, in our world now, we need to be expressing compassion and love. To a lost world that is trying to get away from God's design for the home, a husband, a man, and a woman coming together in marriage. In our world, we're trying to get away from that and we need to be expressing love. I'm going to say it again. What a lost world needs now, what a hurting world needs right now is not Christians making fun of, mocking. That's not what is needed. It is compassion and love that is needed. But I also will let you know that what we all need is grace and truth. The Bible says that when Jesus came, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, full of glory, full of grace and truth. And so in our world, in our lives, we do need the grace of God And folks, whether or not you struggle with a particular sin, if someone else is struggling with it, they need the grace of God just like you need the grace of God. They need the love to, to know that God loves them just like you needed to know that. But folks, not only do they need grace just like you and I needed truth, the world needs truth. And the truth of the matter is, in God's word, it says that marriage is a man and a woman. The scripture says that God made them male and female. And folks, there is a lot that's going on in our world right now about gender identity. And I'm going to say the same thing again. An individual who is dealing with that needs to hear about the love of God, they need grace and truth. Folks, in, in that person's heart, please don't think, oh, it's, it's just someone and they're just acting out. No there's really a struggle that is going on in that person's heart. Folks, we live in a sin-ravaged world. And that is a real thing. There is reality to wrongdoing. And we need to express compassion and love. We need to show grace. And we've also got to stand on truth. Because we need a world to know that when we resist what God has appointed, we are resisting God. On March 10th of this year, hey everyone, let me give you a heads up. On March 10th, this, for the last two or three years, Daniel, we've been doing kind of an apologetics type emphasis. And, and so this year, we're going to be looking at this issue of human dignity And so please, if you know someone who's struggling in these these areas, let them know about it. Folks, this human dignity also applies in the area of abortion. And we need to understand that whenever we resist what God has appointed, God has appointed. He's the one who knits together in the mother's womb. It is God who has ordained for us our number of days. It is not mine to take that. And so, folks, there is a reality to wrongdoing. But again, before we start thinking about someone else that you would like for them to hear this sermon, please understand that there's also the issues of gossip, using our mouth in a way that is not pleasing to God, not building up. There's the issues of what our eyes are looking at, whether it's TV, movies, on the computer screen, on our phone, wherever it is. Because, see, a lot of times we don't want to think about those things as being wrongdoing. And we say, well, I I don't know. It, It might be wrong for someone else, but I don't necessarily know if it's wrong for me. Again, God has appointed his word. And if his word says that it's wrong, friends, we are not to argue with God because there is the reality of wrongdoing. God has appointed government. God has appointed the word of God. God has appointed the home. And then let me give you one more. God has appointed Jesus Christ I want you to listen to a passage of Scripture. Stay right where you are there in the Word of God. But I want you to listen to what Paul preached in a sermon at Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. He writes, or he said, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead friends there's only one who has been resurrected and that is Jesus Christ and he is the one who has been appointed by God to judge and so folks it's not for you and I to judge we leave that to the Lord but please know that there is only one. And I know that, again, we live in a world of multi-religions, of, of so many uh, uh, different belief systems that are out there. But there is only one, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the one that God has appointed And so when I feel like, when I believe, when I start thinking about salvation in anyone else, if I start trusting the money in my bank account, if I start trusting my family, if I start trusting some other God to save me, to be my prosperity, to be my health, to be my wealth, to be my joy, to be my peace, if there's anything else I'm trusting besides the person of Jesus Christ, I'm resisting what God has appointed. And there is reality to wrongdoing. And so then, what's the second thing? Well, there is the reality of God's wrath on wrongdoing. If you want to know what's so bad about doing wrong, because, boy, listen, almost every week you can hear someone say, well, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. And so the world thinks there's nothing wrong with doing wrong. What they're missing out on is the fact that there is the reality of God's wrath on wrongdoing. Boy, and, and I want you to see how many times Paul tries to emphasize that point. Listen to it again. Verse 2, those who resist will incur judgment. Listen to verse 3. Would you? There is terror to good conduct, but there is there is not terror to good conduct, but there is terror to bad conduct. Listen to verse 4. For he is the servant of God, and avenger who carries out God's wrath. Therefore, verse 5, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath. Did you know that starting in verse 12, Paul has really been making a big deal of this evil and good. In chapter 12, he says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. He has been making this dichotomy. And so point number one, I want to just all understand there is reality to evil. There is reality to wrongdoing. But number two, there is the reality of God's wrath. Now folks, this morning, it would have been a whole lot easier if I could have read chapter 13, verse 2, and read it this way. Listen. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will be just fine. That would have been a whole lot easier to preach. And so everyone, if you're resisting God, if you're resisting what God has appointed, if you're resisting the word of God, don't worry about it. You're going to be just fine. Listen, that's a message that would be well accepted. And and it would be wonderful if I could say to you, hey, and next week I want you to know I'm going to preach on the love of God because I just want you to know God loves you. And, And then the next week after that, we're going to stay on that same theme. I just want you to know that God loves you. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. Just know that God loves you and we need to get away from this idea of the wrath of God. Folks, I'm telling you, that would be a message of hate coming out of my mouth. I need everyone to wake up. Did you hear what I just said? if all I did is stand up here and just tell you God loves you, it doesn't matter what you do and if you resist God, don't worry about it, you're going to be fine. That would be a message of hate. And remember, the world has turned this whole thing upside down. That if we talk about sin, if we talk about there is a reality to wrongdoing, if we talk about the wrath of God, the world says, no, that's a message of hate. And friends, it is not... It is a message of love to let people know that there is the reality of the wrath of God. And if you don't place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are under the wrath of God. Folks, we, we, we don't like to be around someone who is mad. Whenever you're standing in front of someone and the veins are bulging out of their neck and their face is, is blood red and their, their fist is clenched and they're gritting their teeth and you think they're about to explode. You think, okay, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to be around that. And yet, we hear about the wrath of God and we think, oh, it's no big deal. Folks, the scripture says, do everything you can to avoid the wrath of God. Because there is a reality to it. As a matter of fact, this passage of Scripture says two things about the wrath of God. Look at it with me. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. In other words, the wrath of God is sure. Hey, let's let's get real personal here for a moment. If there is someone who has wronged you, and folks, I have no idea, please know, I have no idea what someone has done to people that are here sitting in my, I, I might know of some things if someone has shared something with me, but I do not know the wrong that has been done to you. And so the scripture tells us, don't take revenge. The Bible says not only don't take revenge, but it says to forgive that person. And let me tell you this morning, a great first step towards not taking revenge. Please hear a great first step in being willing to forgive. It is believing in the reality of the wrath of God. Did everyone hear that? A first step towards being able to show mercy to someone is to believe in the reality of the wrath of God. And here's why at the end of Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, do not take revenge, but instead do what? Leave it up to the wrath of God. You see, the more you trust in the reality of the wrath of God, the more you are willing to show mercy to that person. Because just like you and I needed mercy, that person needs mercy. Because listen, I'm going to extend mercy to you in hopes that you will go through forgiveness, that you will go through repentance, that you'll get your heart right with God because if you don't, I know that there is the reality of the wrath of God. And so I don't need to take revenge. I don't need to be vengeful because I believe in the reality of the wrath of God. A step towards mercy is understanding the reality of the wrath of God. And so, folks, every single one of us this morning, again, it's a hard sermon to preach. But I want you to know that there is the reality of wrongdoing. Paul was writing into a culture that uh, a, a huge Roman philosophy was hedonism. Oh, don't worry about doing wrong. Just seek pleasure. And I'm wanting you to know that has simply trickled down into modern society. There was a religious movement. It's not as big anymore as it once was, but it's called Christian science. Christian science, one of their main tenets of their faith was to deny the reality of sin. And so now we live in a world that says, well, okay, maybe I had a lapse in judgment. Maybe I made a mistake, but I didn't sin. And I want you to know that there is the reality of wrongdoing. It's resisting what God has appointed. And there is the reality of God's wrath. And then here's the last thing. Therefore, do good. Friends, therefore, do good. That's what Paul is trying to emphasize here. Do you not want to be afraid of the one who's in charge? Well, then do good. Hey, everyone, did you know that the Scripture, just like I shared with the children, the Scripture is full of do not be afraid. This is the one and only time that I can find in the Scripture where the Scripture tells us, be afraid. Do good. And folks, he's not telling you to do good in order to go to heaven. He's writing to Christians He's saying, here's how you show that your life is unhindered, your life is untangled, you're walking with Christ, you do good. And here's the first step towards doing good. I'm going to back up and then close with this. Romans chapter 3 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, the righteousness of God. Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Because you see in Romans chapter 2, Paul says some very scary words. He says, but because of your hard heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And so, folks, here's the first step in doing good. It's putting your faith in the one who did perfectly good. In Jesus Christ, the wrath of God was satisfied. When Jesus hung on the cross, the entire wrath of God was poured out on his Son, and the death of the perfect sacrifice satisfied God's wrath. Praise God. But I want you to know that's not good news if there really isn't, it isn't the wrath of God. To hear that a perfect man died, well, that's not good news if there's no wrath of God. If there's no reality to sin, then if I hear that a perfect man died, well, that's awful news. But friends, there is the reality of sin. There is the reality of the wrath of God. And so therefore, I need to do the very first thing that God's telling me to do, and that is believe in His Son. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. And so Christ, I put my faith in you. Come into my heart and save me. Forgive me of all my sins. Friends, this morning, if you are apart from Christ, you are still under the wrath of God. Don't spend another moment under the wrath of God. But instead, commit your life to Christ. Friend, rededicate your life to the Lord. I'm praying that this morning the Holy Spirit has been showing you wrong in your life. Isn't it interesting, everyone, please listen. Isn't it interesting that in Romans 13, the first illustration that Paul gives of doing good is paying taxes. Can you imagine? Because here's what that means. How you spend your money is a reflection of how you feel about God. And so that's why financial peace is a part of this whole thing. We could say, well, I'm not doing any wrong in my life. All right, let me ask you, are you spending your money the way God would have you to spend it? Are you honoring God first with your money? And so folks, please, Commit your hearts to God. God, I want to live under your authority. I'm going to stop resisting what God has appointed. He has appointed the word of God. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to do what God is telling me to do. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that there would be a response this morning that could only have been done because God did it. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would be blessing in this invitation. I pray that people would come. I pray there would be folks praying. I pray, Father, for salvations, for recommitted lives. I pray that you would draw to our church and, Lord, call out of our church. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? So I'm opening the invitation to you now. Come. Get your heart right with God. How is the Holy Spirit leading in your life? Come. Make your decision known.